Welcome to Missouri Farm Bureau's podcast, Digging In. I am special guest host Garrett Hawkins as we continue our discussion around all things climate. Yes, the hot topic in Washington, D.C., uh, we have been joined by several special guests in recent weeks to to really unpack this issue, given it is such a hot topic uh, for for agriculture and farmers and ranchers. And we are getting ready to to listen to part two of our conversation with Dave Miller uh, with Miller Consulting Services. Dave is a farmer in Iowa, uh, as well as a, an economist and analyst who has been uh, in this space for for many years, uh, both in the private market as well as the policy arena. So we're picking back up with Dave as he talks about uh, the path forward in terms of how we got here from policy discussions, but more importantly, uh, Dave tees up the issues that we should be thinking about as farmers and ranchers. Have a listen. Okay, so you think about this time span and you know, there was a, a period of time where we didn't hear a lot about uh, carbon market, and now it's back on the scene. And, and maybe you could talk a little bit about programs that you're hearing about now. But uh, what did what did this conversation look like kind of from, you know, your first significant ramp up uh, to, you know, really like the last six, seven, eight years. And obviously now we have an administration that's pursuing a whole of government approach and now it is the hot topic. So get us up to get us up to date. Yeah. Well, when after the 2008 election, there uh, the Democrats had the presidency, the House and the Senate. And there was an expectation that carbon was going to move at that time. And you had the, the primary vehicle was the Waxman-Markey bill. Uh, and it moved through the House and got into the Senate. And um, it, it needed 60 votes to move on, and it got 57. And there, you know, there for a number of reasons, Waxman-Markey died at that time. And the way it was, I guess I'll use the word, the way that legislation was killed, it had, it left a bad taste in a lot of people's uh, mouths relative to carbon from a uh, policy and political standpoint. And, and my assessment was at the time that carbon was dead for a decade, and that's turned out to be pretty accurate. Uh, we probably were going to go through several administrations where it just wasn't up on the forefront, and but at some point it was going to return. Uh, and, and Waxman Markey died partly because the environmentalists thought the offset side of it was way too lenient and uh, did not like the agricultural side of the offsets that were included in Waxman Markey, which to a degree were pretty consistent with what we were doing with uh, Chicago Climate Exchange. And they, you know, they didn't like, they didn't like, they wanted more permanence, more additionality, uh, and, and solving some of the leakage issues, although leakage wasn't huge on that debate. But there was, uh, the, the scope and inclusion 
of what it was going to do to energy prices, and it actually came out as almost an anti-energy bill. And just the policy wasn't ready for that at that point. So fast forward a dozen, you know, 10 years or so, and it's not that nothing has happened because USDA has actually behind the scenes incorporated voluntary incentives for carbon into a number of their programs. Uh, they've included carbon into their CRP options. They've included carbon and things into such as windbreaks and, and uh, other things that Promotion of no till, nutrient management, uh, some of those. And then USDA has done a lot of work on, on this issue of quantifying verification, etc. Uh, so there was work going on behind the scenes, particularly for agriculture, but it was all kind of in, I'll call it a broader scale. Uh, at the Again, USDA program level. Then about, really in about the last year, you had private industry start to emerge with a number of programs. Bayer has come out with a program, and Bayer's carbon initiative pays producers for adopting climate smart practices such as no-till, strip-till, and planting of cover crops. Uh, producers are required to plant corn or soybeans, have an active field view plus account, agree to share their data, things like that. Strings the attached. has a program, of, it's a 10-year program on crop and rangeland. It's, it's not a contractual volume for producers. The outcomes are calculated on annually over the course of 10 years and... Uh, again, they have to register, enter required information, carbon generation, certify information. Uh, now, producers have to show ownership of the assets to be generated. So, uh, generally, rented land may or may not be, you know, may not be eligible for some of the programs. Farm Business Network has a program. Uh, payments are market and buyer dependent. Producers receive anywhere from 30 cents an acre up to 15 cents a bushel for identity preserved premium programs that are paying for particular carbon programs. Indigo Ag has a program. Theirs is $15 per carbon credit, uh, with a guaranteed uh, price floor of $10 for growers who enrolled by the beginning of 2020. Um, again, a number of criteria that vary. Uh, Nutrien has a program. So there's a number of these programs that have developed out there, all of which one probably common theme is they want your data. Uh, in all these programs, you're going to share a significant amount of data 
about your farming practices, uh, when you apply, what you apply, uh, any tillage, uh, if, if any tillage is even allowed, those kind of things. Uh, they're going to want uh, yield and other data uh, that's associated with it. Because one of the things that is part of the leakage issue, if you're going, one of the programs that's out there that's common to several of these is reduction of nitrogen application. There's an assumption that farmers over-apply nitrogen. And so they'll pay you to reduce your nitrogen application. But it can't result in a yield reduction. If your yields go down, then you've had leakage <laughs> because you're just requiring crop to be produced someplace else in the world to replace what you've reduced. So <laughs> you, 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 wow, Dave. <laughs> it, it, so it, it, it runs off the assumption that farmers are over-applying nitrogen. And I just don't think that's a valid assumption. Nitrogen's expensive. I think there's an uncertainty to nitrogen application that can be reduced with split applications and a lot of other ways to do it. But not everybody can do split applications. I know on my hills, it is difficult to run machinery through the crop after it's up, particularly if it's needing to incorporate nitrogen or something like that, because side hill draft and other issues, you'll end up doing a fair amount of crop damage. And with rainfall being unpredictable, you're not always assured that you can get back on the field to do a timely nitrogen application, those kind of things. So some of the programs, again, is there validity to some of what they're doing? I would say yes, uh, but I would also say be careful uh, with uh, you know, producers got to do their homework. They really need to look into the programs and figure out what am I giving up? What am I getting? What are the long-term commitments? Is there a penalty for having to change something a year or two into the contract? All those things need to be looked at. Well, you've really kind of get to where I wanted to get to with, with this podcast. And, you know, Dave, we have this conversation often about making sure that we as farmers continue to have tools in the toolbox and, and we continue to try to find ways to add more tools, not take away tools. And so when I hear about these things, ultimately, you know, what's running through my mind is what's going to impact my ability to make decisions on the ground, right? Because no two years are or alike, and, and you've summed up well the fact that what happens when you're in maybe a couple of years and you have to, to make a practice change. And so so I think you, you've summed up well in terms of, you know, what my takeaway is farmers really need to be eyes wide open. Um, if they're intrigued, they need to explore, they need to scratch below the surface. They need to to give thought to and read into data sharing requirements. They need to think about practices and and uh, I guess, what limitations they may have there. Anything else that you would put on our listeners' radar? Well, 
I think as they think about where Carlin programs go, again, I'm, I, I don't make a lot of harsh judgments against any of the existing programs. I think they're all trying to figure out some things. I do think there are some things USDA ought to do from a public policy standpoint. One, I think USDA probably ought to establish verification criteria and maybe even standards for verification of measurement of carbon. Uh, right now, almost every com company has their own standards. And we, there was a time when grain grading was like that, and we standardized grain grading, and we standardized, uh, I, I, I guess my, my farmer in me goes back to hydraulic couplings of the 1950s where we had to have a whole box of adapters because uh, every company built their own and nothing would hook to anything else. And now you've got a fairly set standard of uh, hydraulic hookups. To, you know, there's still a couple different versions out there, but to a large degree, there's a lot more universality in it. Uh, <clears throat> I do think, you know, what might a USDA soil carbon program look like? And I think there could be a lot of value in USDA putting together a practice-based, operator-friendly program that, for lack of a better, is, is kind of a hybrid between CSP and uh, the Conservation Reserve that is uh, relies on no-till, reduced-till, nutrient management, managed grazing, and cover crops, could be a multi-year commitment, but could also be set up as an annual commitment. The Canadian program is annual with renewability. Uh, other programs, the European program, the last I saw was a multi-year commitment. California's multi-year. Could be a tiered program with increasing payments for additional carbon-supporting actions. Maybe it's 10 bucks an acre if you do cover crops, or another 5 to 10 if you do continuous no-till. If you can do enhanced nitrogen management, uh, maybe that's worth another 10 to 25 bucks an acre. Enhanced manure management for the livestock guys, 5 to 20 bucks an acre. USDA could take the aggregated carbon sequestration values and use them as part of U.S. treaty obligations and reporting requirements so farmers aren't having to track carbon credits. They're basically participating in an annual program where USDA does the quantification. USDA, but farmers get paid for doing practices that make sense on their farm. That's, that's at least one idea from a policy perspective. Uh, and, and, and it keeps agriculture participating and incentive-based to be a part of climate solutions, but doesn't get hung up because USDA would use those as part of our national obligations in international treaties and stuff, but they're not going to be a part of industrial offsets. And you don't necessarily have to solve the problems then of permanence, additionality, etc. USDA can basically come at this voluntary uh, incentive-based approach and use the quantification, because I won't call them credits anymore, 
it's the quantification of ag carbon and use it as part of our national account. And the value, the reason the public ought to pay for some of that is there's a real public value in enhancing soil organic matter and enhancing nutrient efficiency and all those things that are good for the environment. And I would argue the a significant portion of those benefits accrue as public benefits, not necessarily benefits to the individual operator. And it gets over the issues of owned land versus rented land, et cetera, because it can be based upon actual production practices. I think we've covered a lot of ground this morning. This is this has been really helpful, and I think our listeners are really going to appreciate the the look back at, at how this conversation really uh, got started. But more importantly, Dave, you, you've put some things that I hope our listeners uh, that are on their minds as we think through policy options, right? You know, Farm Bureau is known for its grassroots policy development process that starts in each one of our county Farm Bureaus. Uh, you know, there are some key issues out here and a role for our organization as well as all the other ag organizations to play in these in these conversations. But ultimately, you know, my takeaways today are, hey, hey, guys, uh, let's give some thought here. Uh, if this intrigues you, you need to scratch the surface. You need to look into it more um, on these private sector programs. But, but ultimately, maybe more so on the policy side, there's some work that we can be thinking about uh, of ways that we can influence policy uh, to, in many ways, put or incentivize common sense conservation, right, to continue to build on the great things that are already happening on the ground. Totally agree. Well, Dave, I appreciate you taking time out. Uh, I know you've probably got things to do on the farm, but uh, thank you for joining us, uh, for digging in, and we look forward to staying in touch. And again, for our listeners, if you're interested in hearing uh, more from Dave, you can go back to MOFB.org. Uh, Dave's presentation from our commodity conference is housed there as well. So please, uh, if you want to take a listen to his live, or I guess recorded live performance, uh, you can catch that there as well. So, so Dave, thanks again. I uh, hope Harvest continues to be uh, uh, fruitful for you and a safe one. Well, again, thank you, Garrett, and uh, best wishes to everyone in, in Missouri and uh, to all the listeners and uh, Missouri Farm Bureau members. Have a safe harvest. And, uh, Glad to be a part of the, of the of the program that you've got on uh, educating people on this important issue called carbon. Well, thanks for the thanks for the lessons this morning, Dave. You take care. All right, thank you. Dave.